In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and amen. So hopefully, very simple this morning, three wonderful passages, Genesis 45, 1 Corinthians 15, and Luke 6, and from each one, one takeaway. First, from Genesis 45, this lesson. When you know God loves you, you can be free from a life of victimhood. Key verses here are verse 5 and the first part of 7 in Genesis 45. And now, Joseph says to his brothers, do not be distressed or, or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. Now, if anybody on planet Earth ever had good reason to feel like a victim, it was Joseph. Favored son, betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, falsely accused by Mrs. Potiphar, forgotten by the cupbearer, and now his brothers come, and he's got every reason to bring down the wrath on them. But instead, he brings the love and forgiveness to them. He knows God has loved him all along and has been alongside him all the way through and put him in a position where he can benefit the world. God cares about you, down to the very hairs on your head, or the hairs that used to be on your head. <laughs> down to the specific trials that come your way. He really does. Now, that's not to shrug them off. That's not to minimize them. That's not to say you never fight back and stand up for your rights. There have been a number of times when I wish somebody had come and stood up for me. And I know there are times when I wish I had stood up for others. It's just to say that when you know that God loves you, you can know that you're going to be okay no matter what. Little thought experiment that I offer you, that I offer for us today. How often do horrible people and horrible events seem to conspire to put you in a bad place, but it winds up being a better place than you could have imagined for yourself? Seriously, go home today, carve out a little time, and think about your life and see if it isn't true. Second, from 1 Corinthians 15, there's this lesson. When you know God has a hope for you, you can let go of a life of demandingness. From Genesis 45, God's love can let us be free from victimhood. From 1 Corinthians, knowing the hope that God has for you and me can free us from a life of demandingness. 
Key verses here are verses 48 and 49. As was the man of dust, that would be Adam, so are those who are of the dust, and that would be the unredeemed, you and me. And as is the man of heaven, that'd be Jesus, so are those who are of heaven, and that would be you and me, redeemed, resurrected, glorified. And just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, corruptible, corrupted Adam, so we will also bear the image of the man of heaven, resurrected and glorified Jesus. We will be like him. Now, Paul is writing to the Corinthians because while they believe that Jesus literally came back from the dead in his body, they don't believe that they will. They believe that was a nice metaphor for what's going to happen to us when we die and go to heaven and get our halos, get our crowns, get our wings, and get our hymn books. And Paul's going, no, you're, you're selling yourself too short in the long run, and you're failing to take account of just what dust you are in the now. And if, as he said just a few verses before this, if all we have to live for in this world, all that we have to live for is in this world, we are most of all to be pitied. No, we're dust. Now, the, the people here don't think they have a, a resurrection to come. And so they're grabbing all the gusto they can. They're out there living their best life now. So, they're suing one another to secure their rights. Some people are sleeping with people they shouldn't be sleeping with because their body has nothing to do with their eternal soul. And other people think that their eternal soul is so pure that it can't be, that it shouldn't be attached to polluted physical bodies. They won't sleep with the people they're supposed to sleep with, their spouses. And Paul says, you guys have got it all backwards. You're dust. And you can't live for this life alone. Ash Wednesday's words are words that these folks really needed to hear. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall go. But if you know the hope of the resurrection... You know you're not just dust. You're a special kind of dust. You're gold dust. And you will rise. And so you don't have to pour out everything to get it all here now. You don't have to demand that life meet you on your terms. You can face it boldly. And you can be a giver rather than a taker. Which takes us to a third takeaway. This one from Luke 6. There's this lesson. When you know God loves you and that he has a hope for you, you can be free from a life of self-protection and you can be free to live generously with open hands and open heart. The key verses here, well, it's really the whole passage in Luke 6, but I'll Pick a few verses. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. 
pray for those who abuse you. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Love your enemies. Do good and lend expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Because that's what he is to you. When you know that you are loved and when you know that you have hope, you don't have to live self-protectively. You're free to love. You're free to bless, free to give, free to forgive. In some respects, the Christian life is just that simple. Except it's not. It's not, is it? It's something you can't just figure out in your head and say, that's what I want to do, that's what I want to be. It's something you have to see. I only know these truths because of people who have been over my life, who have been in my life over the years, some of them here in this very room, some of them viewing today on the other side of a screen. People who have loved even when they have not been loved. People who have blessed when they have no reason to bless. People who give when their circumstances say that's foolish. And who forgive through tears. For me, for you too, seeing is believing. That's why I'm so grateful that you are here in church. And that's why you need to be here every week. And that's why, God bless you, some of you who are online need to be here too. As Josh Bale said a couple of weeks ago, come to church and get lit. Our epiphany blessing is that we may be Christ's light in the world. I get that light from you. You get it from me. Maybe, especially when we are wired differently and have different instincts about life and politics and, well, there's a lot to filter through to see Jesus in each other. But that's where he is. In one another, not, I gently submit, essentially and really on the other side of a screen. Now, pause. I'm profoundly grateful for the new relationships that we've been able to develop over the last couple of years through live streaming our services. I see no reason to discontinue that. We, we, We've, we've gained an ability to care for people whom we love. And we really do. And we're grateful for the opportunity. And there are good reasons for staying away. I know some, some folks just don't feel like it's safe yet. Some are immunocompromised. Some can hear better at home. 
And some of, for some of you all, it's, you just can't get here physically, whether that's a geographical thing, like maybe you live in France or England, and, or, and maybe just physically you can't get around. And we're grateful that the technology uh, gives us the chance to be together even this way. But there are some not so great reasons for not being here. Maybe you've grown a little too comfortable doing worship without the stress of packing up the kids uh, and having coffee and bagels. Maybe you don't like some of the people that you have to worship with here. Maybe you've fallen into the anger ditch over protocols. Nobody likes the protocols. Yeah? We're all just so eager to be able to take the masks off, embrace one another, have the common cup. But love for God and love for his people and for the world, for the world that he has called us to bring light to and from whom alone they're going to hear their own story, which we tell and sing and pray and feast together, there's a sense in which we can only do that together. It's in church, not at Starbucks with coffee and a bagel. That's where you learn what the church taught one of the great living saints who happens to be a priest in our own diocese the amazing Nelson Pender. There's nothing you can do to me that can make me hate you. We learn that from each other in relationship with each other, worshiping side by side. In the last couple of weeks, it seems like pastors around the country have decided that it's time to start preaching to get people back in church. And so I've heard mess, uh, several messages about the need to come and hear the word, be a part of the prayer, the assembly of the saints to be accountable with one another. But it's really interesting, in the Anglican tradition, there's more. Because we don't believe that our table with the bread and the wine, even in the pre-intincted form, we don't believe it's a mere memorial. We don't believe that we're just remembering somebody who's not here. We believe that this is an actual participation in the bread from heaven and the cup of blessing. We believe that he feeds us here in a way that he doesn't at the beach, camping, or even on the glaciers of Iceland as likely as he is to show up there. In the bread and the wine, we pray that it may be the body and blood because we need him. So come to church and get you some Jesus so that you may know that you are loved and therefore freed from victimhood 
Keep coming or come to church and get you some Jesus so that you may know that you have hope from God and therefore free from demandingness. Come to church and get you some Jesus. And because you know God loves you and has a hope for you, so that you may live free from self-protection and to live generously and with open heart and open hands, come to church and get you some Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.